when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, brought to you by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. What uh, what you drinking on this episode? Oh, right, Mike. Mixing it up a little bit. Went with the, it's called a Terrapin. Ooh. It's got a picture of a turtle on the front of it. Beer mm-hmm. company out of Athens, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're related to them dogs, but they got to be close to it. <laughs> it's called the Hops Acutioner. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it looks fancy, man. Killer IPA, and uh, uh, I'm mixing things up, too. I've been doing a little research, Mike. Apparently, you need to pour these out into a, a glass. So that's what I'm doing uh, to get more more out of the terrapin here. But uh, so far, it's delicious. Hey, well, speaking of that, it seems like our beer talk has been a kind of a hit here. We've got an email from uh, listener Josh Weldon. Wanted mm-hmm. me to uh, share this advice with you, Shane. He says, uh, for you and Cousin Shane, if you'd like to try a local Gainesville brew, try Swamphead Brewery. They have several different versions, lagers, ales, IPAs. They got it all. So that comes from Josh Weldon, one of the listeners of the show. So remember that oh, yeah. name if, if you see it out there, Swamphead Brewery. Swamphead Brewery. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I mean that's about as Florida Gators as you're going to get right there, brother. <laughs> Wait, it's is it Gamecock or is it Florida? No, it's Florida Gators from down from Gainesville. Oh. oh, okay, all right, I got you. Nope, that one's on the list, Mike. This one, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, this has got seven point three percent, man. Mm. I'm, I may be, I may be lit here in a minute. Well, we better jump into some news, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tuesday was a little bit lighter on the news, so before we go around the league, we got a couple teams to hit on. This is something. Shane sent out so I want to see what cousin Shane has to say I'll give mine as well I'll probably have to go first while he sits here and thinks about it but hot takes and bold predictions for the Mm -hmm. 2020 season just around the corner you got any hot takes and bold predictions I figure you got to at least have one Shane if you're putting this out there but yeah I'll go ahead and throw mine out there first just to get things started 
And I'm actually want to hit on three teams here. Get your thoughts on how hot or bold these takes are and what you think. But, you know, I'm seeing so much about LSU and all these guys they're losing and the opt-outs and they got nothing left, all the good coaches left, all the good players left. Mm-hmm. I think LSU is going to go 8-2, and two, which mm. I think will be one of the better records in the SEC, of course. You know, eight wins wouldn't normally be that good of a year in the SEC. Yeah. I think that's going to be a hell of a record this year. Is that too bold for you? No, that I would put that on the uh, the bold meter about yeah probably about an eight point two, Mike. I just <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's that's it's bold, but it's not like you know I don't have goosebumps, man. Is that the boldest take you got right now? I mean, this is a guy I'm talking to SEC Mike that went on Feinbaum and said you know South Carolina <laughs> is going to kick ass last year and they didn't. I mean that was a bold take. No one else was saying it. Granted, didn't work out, but you were saying it. Mm-hmm. So is is eight and two as bold as you got right now? I got another one for you, Shane. I don't okay. think I've heard anyone say this outside of the biggest of biggest Razorback homers here. Mm-hmm. Arkansas is going to win not one but two. SEC games this year. Ooh, man, that's a bold one, man. That's a big something. Arkansas has it. Can you tell me who they are, or is that just we're just guessing right now? That's confidential. I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you which they're gonna they're gonna win at this at the moment, but I got a feeling that you know a lot of what the the poor performances we've seen from the years past. Yes, Mm -hmm. the talent's not where it needs to be, but it's not as bad as people that don't follow that program think it is i think that was more of a coaching problem leadership problem uh just you know all kinds of issues there and they i'm not saying razorbacks are going to win the sec west or anything but i think they got enough talent they got it they got the right coaching to get them a pair of sec wins this year okay i like it mike now that's bolder okay and when i put this out i didn't really have any hot takes at the time but the more it marinated, the more I'm like, you know, I was curious. Who? What would be just a, a hot take, maybe something that nobody's talking about, something that I definitely see could happen. And it kind of stems from our conversation from yesterday, Mike. And I think that the Auburn Tigers win the West. Ooh, man. Yep. That, now that's a bold one right there. Yeah, that is a bold Hot take. I, I mean, I may look back like Mike did last year with the Gamecocks and say, whoops, I made a mistake. But I don't know. I just kind of talked myself into it yesterday. So that's my my bold. I love all the feedback we got online uh, when we put this out. And one of my favorites, uh, Dr. SEC, you know, we're both a big fan of. He came out and said that Kentucky beats Auburn, beats Georgia, but loses to Tennessee. That's his bold mm. prediction. Now that one, I would give a full 10.0. That is a bold <laughs> prediction. What would you give, just ranking it, what would you give my Auburn take? 10 out of 10. That's a Oh man, that big. That's a Billy Bob 10 right there, brother. I mean, yeah, I'm not ready Damn. to, I'm not ready to go that far out, but you know, after our talk yesterday, I certainly see why you'd kind of lean that way. Because the pieces are in place. they got all the talent in the world. They've got good coaches. If Chad Morris turns out to be a good hire, they may have made a massive upgrade on that offensive coordinator position. So 
Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be stunned. I was a little I was a little more stunned that you said that than <laughs> than actually seeing it happen. I mean, it it could make some sense, and you know, Gus kind of hinted at this previously. You know, they're used to playing the ten game juggernauts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where the rest of the SEC maybe not so much. So how does that factor into the coming season? That'll be something to see if if Auburn wins it. I think he'll be dead on on that prediction. Mm-hmm. Now I got one more, and I think you're going to like this one. This is right up your alley, but I truly do believe this, so I'm not sucking up to you. But <laughs> Tennessee running back Eric Gray yeah, going to lead the SEC in rushing next year. Ooh. Thoughts on that? How bold is that? Now, Mike, you know, I don't know if it is that bold because if you think about workhorse running backs in this league, mm-hmm. there's only a handful of them. And Gray has the potential to be that guy. And what I like about him, and I'm not knocking some of these guys like Hill and, uh, uh, I mean, insert name here, you know, he's it's just something about Gray and his big play potential. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that can take a five-yard run, and next thing you know, he's 80 yards down the sideline. Again, not saying that some of these other guys can't do it in the SEC, but I see where you're coming from, and he has the potential to lead the league in rushing. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm not I even like I'm not even really saying he's the best SEC running back either when I say that. Right. Although I don't think he's going to be that far off, obviously, but – you know, you're looking at teams like Alabama and Georgia. They're going to share the load, I would think. Uh, we've mm-hmm. already seen Texas A&M talking about their two-headed monster. Kylan yeah. Hill's just probably not going to get enough touches. And we're talking about Auburn and LSU, all their running backs they got. So I just don't know if – the only other one that maybe is kind of up there with me is maybe Rakeem Boyd. Mm-hmm. I could see him being a real threat to be the SEC's leading rusher. Right. But I'm going to go with Eric Gray because I think they got a lot better offensive line at Tennessee than they do at Arkansas right now. Mm. And, you know, I, since we're just doing bold takes and hot predictions here, and, and that's something else I want you to keep in mind before you send those angry tweets out. This is <laughs> this is bold predictions. Oh, they're coming. You know? It doesn't matter. Oh, I they're know, coming. I know. It's like, <laughs> like if Auburn does win the West, well, then I'm in a small group uh, other than Auburn fans that are saying, told you so, you know? Right. There's, there's not a lot of people doing it. I'm just saying if this were to happen, I could see it happen. I've made myself see it happen. Another thing that, that I could see happening, and, and you know, Alabama fran- fans are probably the, the most mad right now, but I could honestly see the Heisman candidate, the Heisman winner coming from that team, and he's not a quarterback. Do you know who I'm thinking? Hmm. Maybe Anthony Schwartz? No. No. Are you, I'm talking from Alabama. Oh, sorry. Uh, Najee Harris. Same backfield. But I'm going Trey Sanders. Ooh, oh yeah, I forgot. You're you're the, the Trey Sanders fan club. You're number one. This is exactly what Alabama needs, man. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Najee. I think he's going to have a ton of touchdowns and a ton of opportunities. But there was a reason that he got so much responsibilities last year. It was because Trey was hurt. Trey's not hurt anymore. He is a he is he he is a utility 
running back. He can do it all between the tackles, outside the tackles, in the air, kind of like Gray, one of those players that could take a five-yard scamper and just take it 80 yards to the house. He is just a big-time player waiting to happen. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him last year because of the injury, but I think we get a full dose of him this year. I think Najee takes a seat in the back, man. I, I hate to say it. I hate to be that guy. But I just think when you've got a better running back on your team, you need to get him the ball more. So that's what I've got predicting. I think he leads the league in all-purpose yards. Mm -hmm. So rushing, receiving, wins the Heisman this year. Well, yeah, I mean, these are some hot takes. That's what what I was asking for, Shane. So I do appreciate it. (laughs) Hopefully the listeners do. Feel free to not blow us up even though you're going to do it. But uh, (laughs) you ready to go around the league, brother? Let's do it, buddy. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, starting here in Gainesville, thank goodness Florida got us uh, some video here. They've been kind of holding back for whatever reason on these Dan Mullen pressers, but maybe it had more to do with the content than it does anything else because (laughs) I'm telling you what, this was about a 35-minute presser, and this guy's ducking and dodging and diving, and uh, he does not want to give away anything. He was asked about, you know, who's – contending for punt returner kick returner my god he says 15 guys <laughs> he wouldn't name a single one of them though he's, he's asking for the depth chart that florida has refused to even issue so sound like coach leach not knowing names or anything huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know he did give some information i thought was pretty good on Kadarius tony and his role because uh, that's a guy that uh, was not as healthy last year but could be primed for a massive, massive role. I mean, this is like a, a jack of all trades. I could even see Tony lining up. Probably not going to be a running back, but hell, I think he could. You know, he's just mm-hmm. that type of player. Could be all over the field, play at a, a number of roles for this Gator offense. So he did have some nice things to say about Tony. Uh, he was asked about what kind of offense the Gators are going to have pass heavy, run heavy. He gets into that. And then uh, he was asked about Kyle Trask's offseason progression. And I thought it was pretty interesting that he did reveal that uh, Kyle Trask kind of have some input on the game plan week in and week out. Hey, Coach. Um, obviously, Kadarius Tony played a major role for you guys in the past. He's been a, he's been a playmaker, uh, but he had some injuries last year. What what do you sort of see as far as his progress uh, th- this season, and how do you feel um, his role will be with the team moving forward? I think one of the things I'm really pleased with him, what I've seen from Kadarius, is just a real development as a wide receiver. You know, I mean, he was a guy that's high school quarterback, came, started to learn the position. Uh, I think he, you know, and and you look, everybody knows he's a playmaker, and he's a great playmaker with the ball in his hands. But I I think he's taken such a huge step forward in becoming a wide receiver now. 
you know, not just kind of a, a, a get it to guy, uh, which he'll still continue to be a get it to guy for us. But every down being a, a wide receiver, I think he's taken some huge steps forward. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about that because that's, that's what you want from those guys. You know, it's, it's one thing I'm, I'm this utility athlete, get it to guy. But when you become can become disciplined and, and a great technician at your position, that takes you to a whole nother level. Coach, uh, last year you guys were a pretty pass-heavy team by the end of the year. Do you still see your team right now as a pretty pass-heavy team uh, to start the season? Well, every year I see us as a 50-50 team. We'll see. Like I said, we go uh, when you're going against each other, you don't always know. You know, I mean, we got into last year, and I thought, I thought going into last year we'd run the ball really well coming out of training camp. And we'd kind of be – I thought we'd be a little more run-heavy team than a pass-heavy team. So um, – but that obviously flipped once we got into the season. So, you know, you got to be able to adjust in that way. That's why we like to be 50 or our plans to be 50, 50, and then we'll see how the year plays out and uh, where we're at health wise, injury wise, what goes on, who's playing, who develops, whether we change from one, you know, how we're, we're growing throughout the course of the year. Uh, all of those will become factors. Coach, uh, can you share who's in the rotation, uh, kick returner and punt returner, and does that philosophy change with who's playing there with how odd this offseason or this offseason has been? Ah, uh, sure. Let's see. I mean, I, I'd have to go get the depth chart. There's about 15 guys in the rotation. Um, uh, you have, you have, I don't have my practice schedule with me. About 15 guys are in the rotation for that right now. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of running backs – receivers, some DBs, but um, I don't know. Do you have the, uh, uh, anything? You have it, like just a, even like the list of the guys on our team, I can get it to you, but probably 15 of them are. Hey, Dan, going back to Kyle Trask, uh, he talked to us last week about the things he was trying to prove, footwork, accuracy, and in-play progression. Are those the three things you've seen him make the most strides in? And and specifically, how did he look in the in the scrimmage yesterday? It was okay. I, I I don't think yesterday was his best day, but I think he has improved a lot at that. You know, of those things. Uh, yeah, and you're always gonna have little off days here and there. So I don't think. I mean, I thought he was he was a little crisper in scrimmage one. We he get we gave him a little bit more work yesterday uh, than we did in scrimmage one. Uh, as we continue to build up and get ready to go, but I have seen him. I mean, he's you know his decision making. Uh, his leadership, and we're putting a lot more on him right now, you know. Now, the, the one thing, though, when you get to this, you're going to start, which is going to help him, you're going to start to simplify things, you know, instead of going from this massive installation of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of play calls going against every defense known to mankind, you're going to kind of get into this is our specific game plan of how we want to attack this team, and that'll make it even easier on him and allow him even more comfort with, uh, you know, with a little bit smaller package going forward with the details of how we want to check, get to these plays, what we want to do, where we want to go with the ball. But uh, I think he has really uh, improved the speed of how he decides things and, and, you know, just obviously, which is a big one, his knowledge of the game. Does, does he get any say in – 
picking the plays for the opponent at all, what he's comfortable oh, with? Yeah, yeah. The was, yeah, one of the things, he, he, he comes and spends extra time in game plan meetings. He wants to sit in, know when we're meeting. He wants to sit around. And, and, and I mean, as a grad student, it helps get a little bit more time on his hands. So he, he's always around the office and he, he'll have input, you know, just because of his experience and he's played and he knows, you know, he has input in what we do in the game plan. And on top of that, he has a lot of control at the line of scrimmage. You know, he has a lot of freedom to call his own call, call plays and check into plays at the line of scrimmage. All right, Shane. So my main takeaway from all this, and I'm probably going to sound like a moron because I said on a recent podcast, you know, we need to stop looking for the next Joe Burrow because that was like a once in a lifetime deal and Mm -hmm. it ain't going to happen. But there's some Joe (laughs) Burrow here with Kyle Trask. I mean, he wasn't even the starter at this time last year. We all know the story forced into action. And mm-hmm. my God, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC last year. Now he's got, I know the offseason wasn't what it could have been, what it should have been with the lack of spring and all that. We all know the story, but Kyle Trask, full year, knowing he's the guy. And the thing that really hit home with me here is what Dan Mullen mentioned, that Trask is in grad school and he's in the offices all the time because that is the comparison to Joe Burrow that I'm willing to make. For those that don't know, hell, Joe Burrow, to my knowledge, never even took a class at LSU, <laughs> like in a physical classroom. He just did it online. So yeah. that gives you all the time in the world to work on the football. And it's almost like you're an NFL quarterback where you're just mm-hmm. in there breaking down film and, and working with the coaches and fully in tune with what's going on. And I don't know if the Gators have ever had that before, but if Kyle Trask is going through that now and working with Dan Mullen – I don't want to say he's going to be the next Joe Burrow because I already said that's not happening, but <laughs> I've already said many times this offseason, Kyle Trask, my number one quarterback in the SEC, and this just kind of confirms it for me. Yeah, I I, I think it just makes it so. Yeah, the guy's always hanging around, you know. <laughs> Can't get rid store. of him. <laughs> I go to the grocery store, there he is. Uh, just, he's just he's a little bit of a Klingon, but uh, – no, that's what you want, man. You want a quarterback can't get enough of this, wants to be a part of the game plan. I mean, that's that's the development. That's something that he hasn't experienced either. I mean, this first time he's actually had a starting gig from the start of the season ever. You know, high school, college, it just didn't happen. Last year he was the backup, as everybody know, to Felipe, and uh, he was he was tossed into this thing and, and turned out to be fantastic. So – this is this is uncharted territory, and he doesn't have school to worry about anymore. So he does have more time, and uh, I think that's awesome. You want your quarterback soaking up as much as he can, uh, because it does help. You know, if he knows exactly what Coach Mullen wants. So uh, now some of the other clips. I mean, there was a lot that that happened there. Uh, I think Tony is very important. I mean, if you remember last year when this thing kicked off and they were playing against Miami and he had that, what, 60-something-yard touchdown, Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this guy is going to be a focal piece of this offense. And, of course, then injuries later, and he just never really got going after that injury. It makes me wonder, you know, the development he had. But, man, you talk – they call him the human joystick for a reason. The guy is absolutely dynamic when he has the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's kind of like a – Percy Harvin light, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what made that Urban Meyer offense so nasty in Gainesville. And I Mm -hmm. think that was 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's been missing in Dan Mullen's offense because they've been very successful, but against the better teams, against that Georgia defense, you're going to need all these weapons good to go. And I think Tony is a, is a big piece of that puzzle. And I'm mm-hmm. glad, you know, he was one of the ones that was potentially thinking about opting out. Wouldn't have held it against him if he did, but I'm glad right. that he's here because I, I think it'll kind of unlock the full potential of this Gator offense. Yeah, I mean, he has potential to be a Heisman candidate. As 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 you talk about returning the ball, I, if Tony's not returning these damn kickoffs, I, I'm going to be mad at Dan. You know what I'm saying? He's got to be among the 15, Shane. He's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be on that list. I mean, most teams probably got three, four guys they're looking at at this point to return kicks. Dan Mullen's got 15. Hey, this is a good time to let the listeners know we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag. Enter that promo code, that S-E-C, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, and all new users to MyBookie.ag will receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000, which means if you use that promo code, that S-E-C, you put in $1,000 as a new customer, You'll automatically have $2,000 to gamble with, and it doesn't even have to be 1000 It could be 100 bucks. <laughs> You'll automatically have 200 bucks. So head on over to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code, that S-E-C, T-H-A-T, S-E-C. They got cross-sport wagers, props, parlays, NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, of course, college football. We're going to be breaking down those picks all season long but head on over to mybookie.ag your winning season begins today only at my bookie no match 100 percent. yes sir guess who else is batting 100 percent? two thumbs at this guy <laughs> <laughs> let's skip on down to baton rouge next it's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach ed ogeron and the lsu tigers next for coach o met with the media here and uh, you know, I thought he was a little fired up on this presser here. He talked about uh, the fact that he's got to find ways to to fire up his players without, you know, limited crowds and on the running back rotation and people sleeping on LSU's overall talent. So let's kick it over to Coach O for his comments here from Tuesday's presser. Just from watching games on TV, uh, it seems like it's really difficult for, I guess, for teams to kind of get into the game because there's no crowd. Uh, and I'm sure you, you probably watched a couple of minutes this weekend and probably like, uh, it, it just, it, it just seems the same atmosphere. Can you talk about, I guess, what you're, what you're trying to do to try to jack your team up because you got to kind of self-manufacture some energy. Yes. Well, we try to do it every day in practice and that's why we practice with a lot of energy and we told our, our team we're going to have to provide our own energy in Tiger Stadium on Friday uh, for the scrimmage. And for the most part, they did good. But you know what? There's no way that we can duplicate the energy that our fans give us. So hopefully we can have some fans. I don't know how many we're going to have. But whatever it is, it's definitely going to be different around. It's definitely something that we have to deal with. And uh, you know, I, I think I have the best strength staff in America led by Tommy Moffat. Those guys are always screaming and clapping. But we definitely have our work to do uh, this year. Now, saying that, uh, we still have to win the game. It's the same for the other team. So uh, we're going to have to deal with it. And uh, the team that can deal with it the best is going to win. Kai got the most carries last season. Do you see LSU moving to more of a running back by committee this season? 
uh, to encompass the different skill sets mm -hmm. of uh, all these talented backs. Mm -hmm. I see that. I can see, especially in the beginning of the year, using all three backs, maybe four. Uh, Kevin them giving them a shot to see what they can do. But if a back is hot and you know he's he's having a great game, we're not going to take him out. I want the best. I want our guys to do what they do best, whether it be catching the ball, blocking, outside runs, inside run. Let's use the running back in the, that can do that skill the best. Uh, when the ball is in the red zone, I want the ball in our best player's hands, whoever that player may be. So I think the situation will dictate itself of who's going to be playing to start off the game. Now, if a guy's the best in every situation, he plays. Uh, just listening to you over the last few weeks uh, talking about your receiver room, uh, is it safe to assume that Terrace Marshall's the one? Would Racy be the two? And then Kayshawn Booty and Coy uh, Moore are fighting for the three. Uh, can you kind of give me an update how that's going? Because obviously, you know, we just got to go on what you're, what, what yeah. you're seeing and what uh, we're hearing. Yeah. More, more than likely what, what what you just said. And obviously that fluctuates day by day. A guy's going to have a hot day. But, you know, we're looking at the Keishon Butte starting a, as, a, as a freshman, I think, that is that is locked in. Uh, Rachel McMath, uh, you know, Terrence Marshall has to be our go-to guy. Uh, we mentioned that this morning. And Eric Gilbert, I think, if you look at that, the, those are the top four receivers that we have right now. Uh, Carl Moore is coming along uh, very fast. He's, he's had a hamstring pull. He's been hurt a little bit, so he's been hampered a little bit. John Trey Kirkland's having a good camp. And, you know, we want to play six, seven, eight receivers, keep them fresh. But the guys that you mentioned are having the best camp right now. All off season and even last week, we heard so much about how much you've lost. Do you think that nationally people underestimate how much talent you still have on the roster? and what you are capable of this year? Yeah, I think that it's going to be a natural tendency for them to predict us not having the success that we would have if we'd have had a lot of guys coming back. But as you know, Ed, that doesn't bother us. I think we have a great team. We're going to use it as an advantage. Uh, we've been picked high, we've been picked low, and none of them usually pan out. And uh, this time last year, nobody picked us uh, to go 15-0 and and have a great season. So. Again, we got to block out the noise, but you know, I, I think that you know those guys have legitimate reasons to say, hey, listen, they lost this, they lost that, uh, new quarterback. I can understand where they may pick us not to have the success that we think we're going to have, but I think we are underestimated because they don't know the young talent that we have, they don't know the new coaches that we have. But again, we have to go down and prove it week week in and week out. Ten SEC games, man, buckle up, it's going to be fun. All right, Shane, I, you know, I probably should have asked you this before we start spieling here about all the SEC teams, but I don't know if you caught that Navy-BYU yeah. game. Unfortunately, that was not <laughs> a good game, Mike. I mean, well, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on, I love it. It's college football. It's here. And then I was like, God, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it looked so like Navy's Navy. defense opted out early, you know it, but uh, – BYU's offensive line just had – I mean, they just had their way with those boys up front. And I don't know if you caught this, uh, and, I, and I don't know where you're going, but I, real quick, Navy would – they said – actually, the most exciting thing about Navy was when Bill Belichick came on and talked about the old Navy. That's that's as exciting as, <laughs> as it got. But uh, one of the things that the coach came out later and said, you know, they didn't have tackling drills. 
during mm-hmm. uh, off season, you know, so they, they try to keep these boys as separate as possible. And that showed up big time during this game. Yeah, I really think it did. And, you know, that was something that uh, Coach O and Dan Mullen, they were both asked about, but uh, they said they didn't really watch the game. You know, they're busy with their own teams doing camp. But the reason I wanted to bring that game up is because kind of what Coach O's talking about here, about needing to get his team fired up. And, mm-hmm. you know, that setting, you know, I think they made a point of, I forget how many fans were there, but it was virtually zero. And I, I think it was not that no one wanted to go watch the game, but I think they just weren't allowed I mean, mm-hmm. they probably had 100 people in the stands. And I that really, you know, took away from the game as, as much as you imagine it would. But I also yeah. think that once Navy kind of got down, I just think they stayed down because there was no crowd. There was no energy. There was nothing. Right. Uh, and I'm certainly hoping we don't see that in the SEC at some point. But that might be something we need to factor in where, you know, if the home team gets down early, they may not have the ability to ramp themselves back up with a big play or something because, hell, the, the 20,000 that are there, maybe 10 of them had left already. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so this is, season's going to be wild like we've been saying all along, but uh, I think these Coach O comments kind of back it up to where at least they're thinking about this down in Baton Rouge and, and how to you know work around this situation. And uh, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, a couple things, Mike, because I thought about that too. As you're here, it you know it's funny because I'm I'm watching the game. I'm like, man, it's going to be kind of hard to unfilter cuss words, you know, because you can hear like on the field <laughs> these guys yelling and stuff like that. You know, it's going to happen, and I I didn't catch any slipping, but but it's I think it's going to be different, a little bit different with SEC teams. I mean, we're talking what twenty percent capacity, so we're still going to have. 20,000 people in the stands. It's going to be way different than this Navy game. Um, and and just comparison, uh, what, what is that? 20, that's like the – let me look here. i got a list. So if we're sitting at 20-plus thousand, mm-hmm. that's in the ballpark of a sold-out Virginia game, a uh, sold-out Kansas game, uh, Tulane, you know. Right. So uh, That's true. Get, it, you got to compare it. So there's still going to be plenty of noise. And with the SEC, there's so much money invested, not only with the cool lights that we're going to get to see, but also with the <laughs> the sound that's going to be pumped through that stadium. So you're right. It's going to be hard to, uh, you know, mirror Death Valley at night and a full capacity. But it's, there's still going to be quite a bit of noise going on in that stadium. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, skipping, let's get it back to LSU, though. I don't want to overlook completely what Coach O had to say here. But, uh, you know, I thought um, what he had to say about LSU's overall talent on the roster that people, you know, we've been going on and on about Eric Gilbert. One guy we've not talked about, Kayshawn Butte, five-star receiver. He was the number two receiver in the last class. And Coach O said today that, uh, you know, after Jamar Chase left, Butte knew it was his time to shine. He's having the best practices he's ever had at LSU. So it's like, my goodness, they lose one elite prospect, they replace him with another. So I think there's something to be said for what Coach O is saying here, and we can't totally wipe away what happened last year. I mean, I know they had a lot of elite players, but mm-hmm. who was that high on Joe Burrow this time last year? And outside of yeah. you, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and – the offensive line was getting called out. Now all those guys are in the NFL. I mean, the list goes on and on. We need to give these coaches some credit too. And hell, mm-hmm. they've, they've got plenty of talented players coming back. That's why 
I'm a I'm kind of high on the Tigers going into the year. Yeah, no, I mean, we are overlooking him. I mean, maybe we just didn't realize how deep that roster was last year. This, you know, a lot of these kids got to play. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on the Tigers. I really do. I, I, I've said it a million times. I thought this is a four-headed monster, and LSU's one of those teams. And it would not blow my mind if they were coming out undefeated again. I mean, it really would because they do have a lot of great talent. Now, I think it's a, it's tough to compare what we saw last year to what we could see this year because that team was just so freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's going to be a natural letdown when you don't have Joe Burrow at quarterback. There's, it's just going to happen. Or Jamar Chase running around out there. Or Clyde to dump it down. I mean, we're talking some of the greatest athletes, first-round picks in the NFL this year and next. So naturally there's going to be a little, I think, regression. But – Maybe we're not giving some of this young talent enough credit because they're five stars for a reason, Mike. They were highly touted. They could be starting at any university in the SEC, and they chose LSU. So maybe they don't miss a beat here. Yeah, and if you look at the schedule, I mean, LSU, I think, has got one of the friendlier SEC schedules. I mean, they're all difficult, but Mm -hmm. Mississippi State at home to open at Vanderbilt week two, Missouri week three, at Florida, that's going to be a real test. South Carolina at home, and then at Auburn. I mean, I'm not saying LSU is just going to run through all those teams, but wouldn't be stunned if they were yeah. undefeated by the end of that. So, uh, again, not saying they're going to just beat beat the hell out of everybody like they did last year, but I think they got it set up pretty nice to have a really nice uh, season here. Absolutely. If you if for one moment you sleep on these Tigers, they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this is a hunt. This offense will still be a hundred miles an hour, and they've got enough talent to make this thing work. And like I said, this the continuity of the program, uh, especially on the offense side of the ball. These, you know, Joe Brady's gone. We get that, but this is still Esminger's offense. So uh, I think we're going to be in good shape. I don't think these guys missed a beat. Yeah, and uh, right before we hopped on here, LSU did land a transfer, Nichols State defensive back Darren Evans. This was something that I had heard was happening, so I already did some research on this guy, but he was a 2018 All-Conference. Last year he had 15 pass breakups, and you know, thanks to this new NCAA rule, he's going to theoretically have two years to play in LSU. He's eligible immediately, and he's likely going to slide in here the starting lineup if he's you know as good mm-hmm. as they say he is. So they're adding some depth there that they lost with Kerry Vincent going pro. Or opting out, if you want to call it that, and and apparently the reason he left Nichols State, it's not that he, you know, just said to hell with them, but they are unfortunately one of these programs that had to postpone their fall, and they don't even know if they're going to play in the spring. So it suits him to kind of like the linebacker Jabril Cox. They landed from North Dakota State. I mean, if if they if these kids are serious about wanting to play in the NFL, you know, they need to test themselves at the SEC level first and. Yep. I think uh he's gonna have just he's gonna have more to prove than just about anybody on this roster. So could be another really good pickup here for LSU. Absolutely. I think this is a key year for college football with opt ins and opts outs because there there were several players that did. And I think the coaches are gonna be able to say, especially if someone like uh, you know, Jamie Newman doesn't go in the 
first three rounds, mm-hmm. you know, that you could look and say, listen, this is exactly why you don't want to opt. He had everything to gain by playing this season. So, uh, because I'm not talking about COVID. You, you've seen it in the past. There's been some, some top-tier athletes decide not to forgo their final season to prepare for the NFL draft. Now, it's different when you're not Jadavion Clowney or somebody up there in uh, the, the – what's their names? The brothers up there in Ohio State? Uh, Boses. Yeah, the Boses and things like that. You know, it's 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 different. You know, there, there's, a, there's only one or two of those type of players in each draft. So, uh, I, I think this is a – I think this is a big – piece of that that the coaches can use in the future but let me tell you mike i gotta i gotta bring it up because it's all over twitter Mm -hmm. um did you see what other lsu player was in the news today (laughs) i didn't read the story or anything i just saw the tweets and i kind of put two and two together but uh yeah i think you're talking about old odell what Odell? give us the give us the lowdown that, that you know oh well, Mike, you know, I drop that news I, on us. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I, I got up this morning. And I said, "Why is Odell? You know, you know, he's 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 trending." And and I tell you what, the messages alone off the stories were priceless. I don't know if it's true or not true, but I'm telling you what, OBJ is not opening up his phone for a while because <laughs> this thing. I mean, it's it's like wildfire, buddy. I've some of the classiest memes I've seen, videos, everything, man. OBJ, he'll never let this down. Every single game, this is like this is right up there with uh, who's the dude that had the fake girlfriend? Oh, man, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know how that lived with him forever. <laughs> That's what this one. It's OBJ, so he might as well change his jersey to number two. <laughs> Just embrace it because it ain't going anywhere. All right, last stop around the league, Shane. Let's uh, head on down to Oxford. miss. We're good news for the Rebels because uh, outside linebacker Sam Williams. This is probably their best pass rusher, and behind Lakia Henry, probably their best linebacker on the team. Uh, he had six sacks last year, nine and a half tackles for loss, 37 tackles. He had been suspended after getting arrested in July, but those charge or that he only had one charge and it was no longer, uh, I guess, dropped, what have you, whatever you want to call it. So he's back with the program. So that's good news. But on the you know other end of spectrum, they're still waiting for Otis Reese, the Georgia transfer. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of sickening at this point because after everything we've been through, we're here in, you know, the the middle of September here. This guy transferred in January, still waiting to find out. And we're getting to the point where these coaches need to know who they can rely on, who to give the reps to, uh, all that stuff. I mean, he'd still be practicing, but it's a little bit different if they know you're going into a year where you're not going to be able to play. So Lane Kiffin kind of talked about that and just how disappointed he was and all this. And then uh, briefly here talked about the quarterback competition as as well. So let's kick it over to Kiffin. Lane, have you heard anything or have y'all heard anything about Otis Reese and where he kind of stands right now? And also, what are your thoughts about how Dean Leonard has come along so far? Um, we have not heard a final thing on Otis. Um, all that was turned in a while ago. And so we are waiting um, to hear that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of anticipation around that. He's one of our better players on our entire team definitely be a starter for us and significant player. So 
obviously we hope that that goes well. Hopefully we get some good news. And, and I feel bad for those guys that don't win waivers because to me, they're really getting like double punished. Everyone else is getting an extra year. So if you don't win your waiver, obviously you can't play, but you're not getting an extra year. So everyone else is getting to play one more year but you. You know, so that, that part's really kind of unfair. Um, Lane, I was curious. Uh, the Navy coach today was talking about how he had they'd gone through their entire preseason, no tackling, uh, really very little hitting and that kind of thing. He thought it was one of the big reasons they played as poorly as they did last night. How difficult as a coach has it been to balance this year all of the COVID concerns and that part of it with getting your team physically ready to play from a blocking and tackling standpoint? Well, I guess in a way I kind of had a little bit of practice um, with the sanctions at USC when our numbers were, you know, so far down. So, you know, I think I made a mistake that year, you know, after our really good year there, um, even though our numbers are really low because of the sanctions and only being able to sign 15 guys, you know, we didn't tackle, you know, and didn't do the same practice formats, you know, and we went out and, and played really poorly that year. Um, so, um, We've, we've tackled like we normally do um, and practiced like we normally do um, for those reasons. So, I mean, it doesn't do any good to stay healthy. We're out there and we can't tackle on game day. So, you know, we, we've been doing everything as normal. I guess we can't let you get out of here without talking about quarterbacks for a second. You mentioned Plumley at the top and kind of being limited with what he could do this weekend. Have other guys stepped up to kind of take one roles or has it mostly been Matt with him out? Uh, you know, Matt has taken all the reps with the ones um, since Plumlee's been out. Um, <clears throat> and then Dent's taken a lot of the twos and worked Grant and Kate in there um, some. So um, the position's done some good things, but a lot, of, a lot of consistency work to do. All right, Shane. So I think you can obviously relate to this with the, all the free mm-hmm. Cade May stuff. But, uh, I mean, I think Kiffin is saying what everyone else is saying. Everybody except the NCAA, that is. Yeah, I mean that's just that's the that's the rules, man. You transfer from Georgia, you don't get to play, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't want to start that story, but he made some great points here, man. We're talking about a year that we've already t- you know discussed that there's going to be an asterisk by. Just let these kids play, and I mean. Even if they play for three or four games, they still get all their eligibility back. And it, and I like the wording that he's using, making it sound like it's not fair. Because it's not, man. You could have a player play in every single game this year and not lose a, and not lose a year of eligibility. That, that blows my mind. Now, but you've got all these kids that transferred out, and you're saying, okay, you can't do that plus – you 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 know you play four games next year you're going to lose your eligibility or whatever the rules are these what is the rules now is it four or six? Oh, uh, four games. Yeah, four games. So I don't know. It's just I I, I just think it's and it's not just these two. There's there's a lot of players. We're still waiting for Joey, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Up there in Kentucky, yep, Joey Gatewood, Justin back. Shorter at Florida, and yeah, I mean just let them all go, let them play because this year really doesn't count anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand the logic on any of these. I know some people getting upset. Well, hell, you can't go from an SEC school to another SEC school. Well, guess what? In about six months, you're going to be able to. So what yeah. in the hell is the difference given a pandemic year where 
I mean, mm-hmm. half the teams ain't even playing, and no need to get in all that. But I mean, is this is just so stupid how we're just pretending like all these guys aren't going to be eligible here in a minute anyway, and then some of these guys like Otis Reese and Cade Mays, and they may even have NFL aspirations. So if you're costing them this season, you may be just officially saying their college careers are over. And I just yeah. don't think that's the right thing to do for the NCAA when these guys have been working so hard all off season. And um, I don't know, it's not, not that this has anything to do with it, but it's they're at, they're almost treating them like they got like criminal records or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they've got to like right. redeem themselves. It's like, that's, that's right. not the case at all. Right. Exactly. Mike. And I tell you, man, the NCAA is on the verge of being obsolete. Uh, I mean, if I'm running that program, I want all the good PR that I can get at this moment. And, you know, just what was, it's just, I don't get it. I I don't get it right now. I mean, the conferences are so close to just taking care of their own business and the NCAA not even, what happens if they just don't, don't abide? I think every, every game, um, every game those players play in that the team forfeits. That's my understanding. Uh, that sounds important, so can't have that. <laughs> I mean, even though I said it doesn't matter. I mean, you know. But think of, I mean, think of it. Here's one thing I didn't even hit on. You know, obviously we're going in a ten game SEC slate, and we don't know who's going to be there for due to injury and COVID and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, we are risking people's health if we're, you know, we don't have enough offensive linemen or we don't have enough yeah. defensive backs. And so like, let's think about it that way too. So it's just all around. No matter how you look at it, it's just stupid to to not allow these young athletes to play this year mm-hmm. yep i concur all right shane so i think that's uh that's all i got on this one you got anything before we get off here well mike i've knocked out the terrapin here mm-hmm. uh the executioner a hop executioner was a fantastic brew and i'm gonna have to give this one uh a 7.2 on the cousin shane scale um i I like the kick i mean i'll tell you i got a little head buzz there i i I like the the strong the i don't know if that's hops hell i don't know man i've been drinking lots my whole life you know what i'm saying (laughs) it definitely has a little something there at the back end after you drink it but uh man this was a good good beer so uh yeah what i say 7.2 yeah so yep. that, that's well, the that's the best of the week so far, right? Yeah, yeah. It took yeehaw out, man. Uh, nothing, no fizz feel, but I just <laughs> I don't do well with chocolate in my beer, so I don't know what that was about. But other than that, Mike, I don't really have anything. Uh, obviously, we're going to get together tomorrow. Um, if you got any questions you want to ask the SEC Mike Guru, send them on over, and uh, you can do that that SEC podcast. Uh, uh, the, the likes and reviews, those really help us out. We'll read those at the end of the week. But if you have an Apple product and you can give us a five-star rating, not only will Mike send you out one of these new koozies, but uh, uh, we'll be sure to read it online. Absolutely. And, yeah, who knows? I mean, we may have some big news tomorrow to share. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we don't, but maybe we will. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you – we'll get you the scoop tomorrow, but uh, nothing to worry about. But uh, the show will go on, but that's a little teaser for you to, to tune in on Thursday. But that's going to do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.